Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening. We want to welcome you to the first Wednesday preview show of the football season. And it is presented by the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson PLCC. They have offices in Springdale, Fort Smith, and Ozark, and they're the oldest full-service law firm in the River Valley. And we are also presented to you by Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contest events with first-to-market odds and lines. So head on over to Bet Online or use your mobile device today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And Bet Online is where the game starts. And with that, we will bring in our first guest via the Camelot Exteriors hotline and introduce Justin Williams, who covers the Cincinnati Bearcats for the Athletic. Justin, we want to thank you for jumping on. I know, I mean, week one, it's always a busy time for you, so appreciate your time. No, I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm getting familiar. There's uh, clearly quite a lot of Arkansas radio stations, podcasts, and I'm, I'm honored that uh, you, you've asked me to be on uh, tonight and talk to you guys about this game. So with, with that, I mean, just the familiarity that we, we kind of talked about a little bit before we started recording is, is the interaction with the media, the fan base, because you know, this is a, you know, not every day you play Arkansas. So what, what was your initial reaction to you know, getting introduced to the, the, the fan base that is Arkansas Twitter and, and the social media aspect? No, it's, you know, it's been fun for me. Um, I, I have had to mute a couple, like, tweet conversations <laughs> that have just gone on a little too long that I have, you know, no involvement in. Um, but, look, like, especially, you know, from the, covering from the Cincinnati perspective, seeing how this program has, you know, grown the past five years and then obviously what they got to last year, like, you know, that's what the Cincinnati fan base has wanted. They've wanted games like that. They, they want fan bases like that. That's why the Cincinnati fans are so excited to go to the big 12 where they feel like they have some kind of fan bases, what they can interact with on this level. So, you know, I think there's a lot interesting going on with the game. Um, but for the, the buildup and the lead up, especially the last couple of weeks, I think it's been great to kind of see both fan bases going at a little bit. Yeah. And, and talk about Cincinnati for a little bit, you know, and the similarities between what we talked about, you know, Arkansas, and, and and Cincinnati, I mean, both had people coming after you, the coaches, you know, Arkansas, the coordinators. I mean, everybody thought that, you know, Fickle was going to, you know, take another job. It seems like that's the M.O., you know, mid-major or non-power five coaches, you know, have success and then some big school come and swoops them. So, one, I mean, what did that say to the fan base and the program that he decided to stay and just – for the aspect of making that college football playoff, what did that do for the program? Uh, finally, them letting a power, non-power five come to the big boy table. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of you know fickle staying around, that was that, that's been the biggest obstacle for for Cincinnati football. You know, you remember we're going back. 15 years now, but Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, that run there, they had a lot of success. You know, they were 
you know, one second away from maybe going to the national championship game. I think, what is that, 2008 um, with Brian Kelly. They went to back-to-back BCS Bowls. The problem was every time they would start to build that up, those, you know, it was the stepping stone school. Those guys would go to the bigger school, bigger program, bigger paycheck. And that's even when Cincinnati was in the Big East. Um, so that was always, you know, for Cincinnati football fans, it was always like, man, it, you know, they always felt if, if they could get someone to stay, they felt like there was – a lot of resources with the program, a foundation, you know, being in a bigger city and, and being in a, a good recruiting area. Then Luke Fickle comes along and he like takes that to the extreme. I think when people were talking about this, they weren't thinking like, oh, we can go to the college football playoff or whatever iteration that would be. They were thinking like we can have success if we have a coach who, who buys into the culture here, who kind of makes it his own and then sticks around. Luke Fickle did that. And then he, he just goes above and beyond. And so I think part of it is, Cincinnati as a football program always had some potential and and then you just have to credit what Luke Fickle has done from a coaching standpoint from a culture standpoint he, he's fit so well he's understood exactly how to win in this area at this school and then you look at kind of the way he's developed guys to be able to to take a group of five team you know to the college football playoff and did it you know, with talent and with development, you know, they had nine guys drafted in the NFL draft this past year. Like, so it wasn't some gimmick thing. It, you know, it wasn't them catching anybody by surprise. They go on the road and beat Notre Dame. I don't know if even in Cincinnati football fans, wildest dreams 10 years ago, they were thinking that was possible. And, you know, that's something Luke Fickle has, has made a reality. And now you have the big 12 next year. And even with the way conference realignment is shifting things, I think this Cincinnati fan base is, is really optimistic about the future and they should be. Yeah, because, I mean, for, you know, me, I'm 40. So, you, when you, I think about the term Cincinnati, I think of, you know, Kenyon Martin and the basketball team, Huggins, you know, just that run that they had back in the day. So, now it's good to see that, you know, one, they did make it. And, and for me, I'm a college football fan, so it was really nice to see that he didn't just have success at Cincinnati and then just run off to the bigger. Because you see that happen so many times. And I think that's what's happened, you know, we want – we don't want the, you know, the parity in college football, but yet it seems like every time there's an up-and-coming team in college football, it doesn't last because they're always going to those big-time schools. So it, it was really refreshing. And also, you, you really get to know Luke Fickle because, you know, again, when we were talking about before we went on air, you know, there was a tweet that he, he kind of put out, or it was a tweet about a comment about him. He was going off of what Sam Pittman said about not having any friends and he doesn't really get any – so I didn't know if it was kind of a jab at, at, at Pittman or if he's just, you know, trying to make a point in his own way. So if you could elaborate on, you know, give our fans a little insight on on his personality. Yeah. So what Pittman had that great quote about, like you don't know if if someone's going to be bringing tea to a party or, or liquor. Yeah. Which <laughs> that, it was it was good. And so we actually. Luke always does his weekly press conference on Tuesday. So we, we were fortunate enough to be able to see that from Pittman and then ask him about it. And so the question was, what, what would you bring to the party, tea or liquor? You know, not really yeah. going off of what Sam was saying, more just kind of playing all the quote. And Fickle was like, well, I don't have any friends, so I don't get invited to parties, <laughs> which is – that's just Luke Fickle. Like we want him to, you know, oh, lean in and give us that like catchy, bitey news clip that goes off of this thing. And he's just like, no, I'm not even going to play that game. I'm going to, I'm going to evade it and, and give you a smart answer, but not the one you want. Uh, so yeah, it, it certainly wasn't a jab at at Arkansas or Sam Pittman. It was more of a a jab at the media, saying like, I know what you guys want from me, and, and I'm <laughs> you, not going to give it to you. You're, you're throwing that spinner bait out there, and I'm not taking. It. Yeah, right. I get it. But, but that also shows his humbleness of like, hey, look, I know what we did last year but I know we need to do it again to be 
really taken seriously because, of course, you know, everybody, this game, we'll jump into the game. You know, both programs are coming in with something to prove this year. They're proving, you know, with Arkansas' side that, you know, 9-4 season in the FCC, you've got to do it again. I mean, you don't have that, you know, the, the schedule is just as tough, if not tougher, as last year. Cincinnati, they got to the big boy table, got to the college football playoff, now they have to prove, hey, let, we got to do this again because you don't want to be that flash in the pan. So it really sets up for a very – one of the most – I think, yes, they voted it like the fifth or sixth game this weekend. I think they're really underrating this matchup, not just because it's a top 25, but you got two teams coming in to Saturday with a, a lot to prove, and that's something that it, – you're it, that's hard to find in week one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you. It's it's you know we'll see how it goes. I'm kind of of the mind that like, I think no matter what happens in this game, it won't necessarily have a bearing on how good these teams are the rest of the season. But I think it'll probably have a big bearing on the per- outside perception of these teams. You know, if, if Cincinnati comes in and and gets a, gets a win, then yeah, it's right back to wow, this team really has some staying power. They they didn't just go to the NF- go to the playoff with those guys and then lose them all to the NFL. And you know, Arkansas, look, they're they're trying to be a a player in, in the SEC, and uh, I mean, they have a brutal schedule this year. I'm sure you guys have talked plenty about that. Yes. But if you know, you can really. It seems like it could go one of two ways, no matter how good they are, because of some of the quality of teams they're playing, non-conference and in-conference. And to, to get a top 25 win over Cincinnati Week One would just be a a real good kind of momentum jumpstart for them. So, so when you look at this year's team, Cincinnati, you know losing all that talent to the you know NFL draft which, which side of the ball are you most concerned about if Cincinnati was to come away with the win which I'm sure there's a lot of people on the Cincinnati side that think they have a legitimate shot at Arkansas I mean but from your perspective what, what do you think the the biggest question is coming into to this game I mean I think it has to be Cincinnati's secondary and you know they they had Sauce Gardner, top five NFL pick. Kobe Bryant wins a Jim Thorpe Award. Uh, Brian Cook's safety was a second round pick by the Chiefs in the NFL draft. I, I've said this a bunch so far this offseason. No matter how good Cincinnati's secondary is this year, it's not going to be as good as last year. Like they have an impossible standard to live up to. The question is, how good are they? Because even you know Alabama had success running the ball in the Cotton Bowl, but even they didn't really try and test Cincinnati's secondary. Now they didn't necessarily have to either; that they got a little bit of a lead. They're able to kind of just run the ball and hold on to it. But we've seen the past two, three years, teams just not throwing at Sauce Gardner at all, and really, you know, when they get behind, they just don't have a way to catch up because of how good that secondary's been. So I know Arkansas is a really good running team, but part of me wonders, like, are they going to come in and say, "All right"? Here's, you know, a couple of guys in the secondary have never started. Let's, before we start running the ball and trying to establish that, let's see how good they are. Let's, you know, let's see if they can handle this stage. And I think that's going to be a question Arkansas week one and moving forward for Cincinnati is how good is the secondary? Yeah, they're not going to be as good as last year, but can they even, you know, can they get close to that? Uh, will it be something they have to manage all year? Will it be a weak point? Um, I don't even know if it's a concern as much as just almost a complete unknown for, for Cincinnati fans. And honestly, probably for, teams that are going against them. Yeah, and another big question, you know, with, with this time of year in the South, I don't know how much, you know, experience Cincinnati has playing in the South this early in, you know, you're playing at 2.30, they, you know, the kickoff in the environment. And, of course, with the, 
you know, the first game, SEC Network's going to be there. The fans are going to be there, the students. But how, how do you think they've been trying to prepare the, the best they can for the, the humid, even if it's not hot, it gets really humid down here. So what, what's the team been doing to really condition themselves to really, you know, this is going to be a battle. This is not going to be a game where you're playing a Big 12 opponent where they're going to throw it around. They're going to try to, you know, Arkansas is going to try to set the tone running the ball. So, so how do you think they've really handled that? Yeah, you know, from a weather standpoint, the 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 humidity in summers in Cincinnati are are not what they are in Fayetteville in the South, but they're not very pleasant either. Um, so I, I don't think there's a huge worry that it's actually Cincinnati's a pretty deep team. I think they're gonna, you know, roll in some different guys when they can to to try and worry about that. I think the the bigger you know thing to watch will be for those guys who are returning who who played a lot last year, like. There isn't a stage they haven't been on. They played on the road at Notre Dame. They played against Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. They played against Georgia in the Peach Bowl the year before. But for those guys that didn't start, who are new first-time starters, what do you do on third and eight when the crowd's going crazy and you got to keep your head about you? What do you do, you know, on a big play when when you got to have tight coverage and you've never been in that kind of a situation before? So I must think, and Fickles even talked a little bit about this. I think it's more like the human element and emotion of those guys who haven't been on the stage. Some of them have, some of them, you know, nothing that you throw at them is going to shake them because they've been there before. But there's a handful of them that even if they were on the sideline for the Cotton Bowl, they weren't out there, you know, in the moment when it was a big play. How are they going to handle it? Because it's it's probably going to happen, you know, in a packed stadium against a top 25 team on, on Saturday. And, you know, we talked about the defense and the big question. We'll move over to the offensive side. And, and this is something when we had Chad Brindle on a couple of weeks ago, we even failed to even mention. And, you know, we talk about Arkansas's run game and, the, and K.J. Jefferson and the stable of running backs. But, you know, what does Cincinnati have in the run game that can complement the passing game and kind of give us some insight on who we need to look out for and, and really keep an eye on on, on Saturday? Yeah, that's another one. You know, the, the two biggest unknowns with this team are secondary and running back. You know, so there's one on each side of the ball. Uh, they, they certainly have strengths and, and things that they feel really comfortable with. But running back, they lost Jerome Ford uh, to the NFL, who was, you know, great for them last year, tied the all-time record, uh, program record for single-season touchdowns. They have guys they like in that backfield, but again, it's another thing of they haven't really had to do it. They have a couple seniors um, who are going to play, who, you know, have kind of been like backup role guys in the past. Um, and then they have two young guys. One, Arkansas fans might recognize Corey Kiner, who was at LSU last year. He's a big time recruit uh, coming out of Cincinnati, Mr. Ohio football. Bearcats finished a close second, you know, to, to get him coming out of high school, a uh, big time four star recruit. And he decided to go to LSU. He was there for a year last year, played a little bit, had some good moments, and then ended up transferring back home this offseason with the coaching change and everything going on down there. But he showed up after spring ball. He really just had preseason. And so you kind of wonder, has he had enough time to totally grasp everything? Do they trust him enough, you know, to, to throw him in there? He's super talented and obviously understands what it means to play in the SEC. But are they going to trust him to run the ball 12 to 15 times or something like that week one right out of the gate? I don't know. And the other guy is Miles Montgomery, who's who's a Florida kid, another second-year player they really like. But you know, they didn't need him at all last year. So, you know, those are two guys who I think, you know, long-term they feel really good about, and maybe even this year could break out. But again, week one on the road, top 25, crazy environment. Are they going to trust them to put them in those situations and how do they handle it if they do? Yeah. And you touched on, you know, the portal and, and, 
you know, that's the next point I wanted to bring up. With the transfer portal and, you know, the big NLI stuff, that NIL stuff that's been going on, we always talk about the, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, you know, Clemson's, USC's, of course, OU's. But, you know, Arkansas has really benefited from the transfer portal, especially what we've got coming back this year from the transfer portal in the NIL money. So what has that done to really, for a program like Cincinnati, you know, who you don't have the depth of an SEC school or a Big Ten school, how, how has that really kind of, for in your eyes, kind of leveled the playing field a little bit? And, and of course, with the NIL stuff, you know, you've got a program like Cincinnati and where you might have some boosters that can offer some kids some little bit of extra money to come play there. So what, what how, how have you seen that help a program like Cincinnati, especially coming off a year last year losing that, and then you – now I have a chance to reload because of the two advantages we all have. Yeah, the portal's been interesting for Cincinnati. Luke Fickle is definitely, um, you know, he, he's gone cautiously into the portal. He he is He's not one of those guys who I want to remake the roster every year by pulling guys out of the portal. He still kind of believes in the core of us has to be recruiting and then developing those guys. And, and they've tried to basically use the portal to plug holes. Jerome, exa- Jerome Ford's a good example. You know, they brought him in from Alabama. He kind of was like a backup for one year behind their starter. And then last year explodes, has a great season. Um, and they've done a couple, you know, done that with a couple of guys this year. Corey Kiner, he's a little bit of a special example. And they've had some other instances of this is maybe guys who go to Ohio state or Notre Dame, or, you know, or somewhere from the Cincinnati area, and then they have a chance to bring him back home. They got Noah Potter, who's another Ohio guy. He, he went to Ohio State for a couple of years. They got him in the transfer portal. Uh, the one thing that you really have to credit Luke Fickle for, though, is they haven't lost guys. You know, you look at some of these other group of five teams, and if you're Sauce Gardner or Desmond Ritter or, you know, whoever, those are the guys who are then getting poached, you know, more often than not from some of these power five schools. And because of the success Cincinnati's had and because of the way they've developed them and the culture Luke Fickle's created, they, they really haven't lost like any significant important guys. The guys they've lost have been, you know, guys who felt like they weren't playing enough at Cincinnati as opposed to, I want to take a step up. Um, so you have to definitely credit them. I, th- I think on the way that they've they've used the portal, and so far it's that kind of approach has worked out for them. The NIL thing is interesting. You know, Cincinnati it's it's a big city, so there's competition with professional teams, but there's a lot, also a lot more businesses and companies. You know, that, here in Cincinnati, so they've had opportunities to do stuff with Kroger. You know, which is based in Cincinnati, a big supermarket chain, Skyline Chili, which everyone outside of Cincinnati is, you know, <laughs> abhorred by. And I totally understand. But, you know, they've done stuff with them. So there is like that kind of booster element. But then there's also like, all right, there's some, you know, commercial opportunities here in Cincinnati um, because it is a little bit of a bigger city. Uh, and so far that, you know, I think they've done a good job of. This is another Luke Fickle thing. Like the guys who, you know, have really earned it. Desmond Ritter got a bunch of NIL money last year. Sauce Gardner got a bunch of NIL money. They haven't totally waded into the like, how do we get the four and five star recruits to to come here? Um, maybe with NIL opportunities just yet. But I think they've done a good job of rewarding the guys who have played well or, you know, marketing them to an extent where they can be rewarded on the NIL marketplace. Um, and so I think that'll be something as they as they move into the Big 12 how do they navigate the NIL um, and maybe from a recruiting standpoint will be interesting to see because it's one thing that so far Luke Fickle has, you know, he hasn't necessarily wanted to talk a lot about publicly. Um, so it'll be something worth watching. Yeah. And that's, and that's funny. You talk about that, you know, the ones that have been really open about it have been the big guys like Jimbo, Saban, right. 
Dabo, and I've said, you know, Ryan Day. You, you see behind me. I mean, I've said it myself. You know, it's kind of hard for me to sit there and listen to somebody who's made $9 million, $10 million a year off your quarterbacks. You, you look at what Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence did for D- Dabo. You look at what Jameis Winston did for Jimbo. So it's kind of hard for me to really take it, you know, and, and not laugh at them. Like, you're just going to sit there and complain about these kids making money when they have, in fact, with Jimbo, gave you $75 million guaranteed. So, I mean, it, it's just it, – it's funny. And I laugh at my own coach about – you you had two hall you know all star once in a generational quarterbacks come through and now you're living large on you know Lake Hartwell in South Carolina but you know you don't want nobody to make money so but you know it is what it is that's a whole nother conversation but you know now coming to the Arkansas side you know what you know you're starting week one probably with I don't I haven't really dove into your schedule yet but. You know, a, a team that has really got a lot coming back when it comes to your core players on offense, defense with Catalan, KJ Jefferson. You got your running back core. You know, coming back with Rocket Sanders. So, w- when you look at Arkansas's offense, what is going to be the biggest key for you that you think that where Cincinnati has a chance to slow them down? And and what do you see like the weaknesses of where it's going to be really hard to contain? And does Arkansas's questions that wide receiver really kind of even out your concerns at, at the secondary position. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the assumption among everyone, probably Cincinnati fans and Arkansas fans is that they're going to put on the cotton bowl tape and, and say Alabama was really able to, you know, gain some yards, push them around a little bit by, by running the ball. And, you know, Arkansas is not Alabama, but Arkansas is, you know, closer than pretty much anyone else. Cincinnati played other than Notre Dame last year. Uh, and, and so I think they might try to say, you know, Cincinnati's played with a three-man front a lot the past couple of years. You know, are, are they going to say, hey, if you're going to line up in a three-man front, we're going to try and run it with our our big quarterback and a, and a really good running game, like you mentioned. Um, and, and then, but then the other side of it too is 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 that Arkansas tempted all like you said, like all right, there's you know, it's not Sars Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Should we try and go after some of these guys, even if we have questions at wide receiver? So I, you know, I think Sam Pittman's the one that said that those the first two series on either side of the ball are going to be interesting. I'm really curious to see how Arkansas attacks Cincinnati and then how Cincinnati reacts. Do they come out in a three-man front or do they, you know, do they have to switch to maybe more of a four-man front because Arkansas is running the ball? Uh, I, I think they're probably thinking the same thing. We're going to come out and see what they do the first couple of series, try and hold them at bay, not let them just get a quick strike touchdown on us, but then we're going to have to see how we adjust to them because I think Cincinnati's strengths are – in their front, basically what they would be a front six, their defensive line and their linebackers. But again, how do they shift that around based on what Arkansas does? Uh, I think will be really interesting. Well, and, and you know, knowing Kendall Browse, you know, he's really known for tro- throwing in some wrinkle plays, some try to, you know, double reva- reverse pass or reverse pass or something. So I know they've probably looked at the, you know, that as well as not only are they going to try to deep do the deep shot, but are they going to try to throw some kind of wrinkle play in there to catch us off guard? But I, I remember, I think it was Charlie Weiss for Notre Dame. You know, he had a 15-play playbook, and it was a scripted, and I don't know, you know, how many other coaches do that, but it's like they use that to gauge where their team's at, their opponent, and then they open up the playbook. And I don't know if that's something similar to what Cincinnati tries to do, but, you know, especially with a guy like Browse, you know, that up-and-coming offensive coordinator who really wants to stretch things out 
make it balanced, you know, how is that really? We look at your linebacker core in, in your front line. You know, are they really with, with what they got coming back? I mean, is that something that they're? It's going to be difficult, especially when you're dealing with a a true running dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we we asked about KJ Jefferson, Luke Fickle on Tuesday, and he he kind of joked like it's the same thing as the environment. You can pump in crowd noise and and all that kind of stuff, but it's doesn't compare to the emotions when you're actually out on the game. And we, we were saying the same thing. Like, do you stick like a linebacker back there at quarterback on the scout team to kind of <laughs> like, you know, replicate what KJ Jefferson is. And he said the same thing. Like you can put some big bodied guy back there, but it doesn't replicate yeah. trying to tackle that, you know, guy in the, in the middle of a, of a big time game on Saturday. So I, they're definitely, you know, aware of him and concerned of him and, and what he can do. And that's why I am interested to see how, you know, uh, Arkansas attacks them because I, I think they're very confident in what they have up front. Just you know, they know it, and, and I think they they feel the strength of their defenses in those the defensive line linebackers. But does Arkansas get them out of what they do? Do they do they make them go more four down, or you know, are, are how are they impacting where the safeties are? They having to come into the box? Are they making them cover all kinds of that stuff? So I think it'll be really interesting, you know, what Arkansas does in that area while. All along, you know those those defenders, linebackers, defensive linemen, whoever are thinking, if this guy's 6'4", 250-pound dude is running at me, you know, I'm going to have to tackle him. <laughs> yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, I, I can't think of anyone they've really played at the quarterback position like K.J. Jefferson. I'm sure that's the case for most teams right yeah. now. And another thing that, you know, a lot of people don't touch on is we're talking about, you know, how teams adjust to players coming in from the portal. Now, with a team like Cincinnati, not only are you having to prepare against, you know, a guy like K.J. Jefferson, you've got a full season to tape on him. Well, now you got Hazelwood, you got Sanders, you've got all these guys that come from other teams that are going to be big impacts on Arkansas. How difficult do you think that is to prepare for when it is such a big game when there's not really anything to gauge off of other than when they played for another team? Yeah, I, my guess is it's probably – you know, it's a lot less individual scouting and more what the offense is like. And that's a little bit easier when it is the quarterback, when it's, when it's a new quarterback, you know, things can go different ways, but you know, they, they have gone against some, some Bryles offenses or, you know, variations of it. Yeah. And so my guess is they're looking at what Arkansas did. They looked at what they've done against those teams. And and then they're just reminding these guys like, okay, yeah, we're probably breaking down Oklahoma tape of, of, of what he did last year, the wide receiver when he was there and trying to figure out and then what the other guy went, from LSU to Toledo, what was that? What was his route? Oh, I can't, um, I can't even remember. I'm telling you, when it comes to these tra- – if it's multiple schools, you know, like the guy that went to USC and OU, I mean, he went to like – and then Florida back to USC. I can't remember right. what his name was. But, yeah, it's it's hard to – and just seeing how, like, it's a big land rush. Like, I think all this stuff's going to – die down when especially when like you look at USC's deal when they start seeing these broken promises or a guy goes to a school and expects a lot of big money he doesn't play as much now the NILs are pulling out you know how all this is going to play out it's crazy when you see 14 1500 names in the portal knowing how many slots are there it's it's just like what are these people thinking? And I'm just thinking, who who are you talking to? You know, because it's almost right. like the big guys know I can go anywhere and play. It's those ones that are on the fence that are like, man, just stick it out. Or, 
or, or go to a smaller school where you might can get some LL money and maybe work your way up the depth chart and, and get to the NFL. Because we look at Mike Woods that was at Arkansas and went to OU. Now he's on the 53-man roster. So, But we'll get you out of here on this. We're gonna. I don't know how you are on superstitions or predictions, but <laughs> if you would give a prediction, if you don't want to, that's fine. Uh, do it like they do it on college football game day and be like, well, you can't make a prediction, but what is your biggest key of Cincinnati winning the game against Arkansas? I, I do think it's stopping the run, whatever that looks like. And, again, I think it'll be really interesting to see how Cincinnati does it from a defensive front um, and how they stack the box. And, you know, I think if Arkansas can go and just kind of get four or five yards a pop, um, the way Alabama did, that's that's obviously going to be a huge problem for Cincinnati. So if that happens early, how do they counter that? If they can kind of keep the run at bay, uh, I, I, I do think they have enough on offense where they can kind of keep pace you know, just in general this season. So, but again, if, if Arkansas stringing together long drives and just really, really pounding it, uh, I think that's going to be tough prediction wise. I'm, I'm terrible about doing like scores, but just <laughs> earlier this week when, in something I wrote, my prediction for the season was they lose to Arkansas in the opener. And then I think for the, you know, for the first time in two years, I don't know where at some point they're going to lose a conference game. Um, and I, you know, I just think that's the, the way this season has gone it'll tell you fans were like freaking out about that. Like, Oh, they're not going to lose a conference game. Come on. It's like, all right, this, this is the way the real yeah. world works. Um, but I, you know, I still think they have a chance to win the AAC. And honestly, the way that's gone the past few years, if you win the AAC, you get that G five D or six access bowl. And so I think it would really speak well to Cincinnati as a program. If after where they went last year and the year before, and then all they lost, if they can get, back to a conference championship and a new year six bowl that's really says a lot about them but i i just think there's so many unknowns and variables you're going on the road against a talented arkansas team i don't think it's impossible for cincinnati to win i just i, I think that's you're asking a lot of a team that is is plugging a lot of holes has a lot of new faces to, to, to win that game well justin again man i really appreciate you coming on i know like i said if everybody's been grabbing you to come on their shows and really getting to you know, show yourself, you know, to the, the Arkansas media and the fan base. So, again, appreciate you being our first guest of our new Wednesday show. And best of luck to Cincinnati this weekend and the rest of the season. I really appreciate having me on. I'm really looking forward to, to getting to Fayetteville and, and watching what I think should be a really good game. Yeah, there's a lot of good food there. So, you know, I know I know people's probably going to be in the comments. I'm telling you, if you want anything to eat, you just put a tweet out, hey, Fayetteville coming to town, where's the best <laughs> spots? You'll you'll have breakfast, lunch, and dinner lined up. <laughs> it was I, I'll, Before I go, I'll leave you real quick. And w- one of the things I wrote early on, there was like an Arkansas fan – who, you know, he did it in, in a good spirits, but was, you know, a little good natured trash talking, um, a, a long response on a comment. And I just responded, Hey, that's fine. You got to tell me where to eat. And then there you a go. double <laughs> long comment of him coming back with great, you know, food Oh yeah. So the people of uh, Fayetteville are already good people in my book. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. We could talk about sports and get no comments, but you mentioned food, drink, where's the best place to hang out. Uh, You'll be, like you said, you'll have to turn your comments off, but yeah, have a safe trip to Fayetteville and enjoy SEC Network's going to be there, but that will do it for our first Wednesday preview. Again, we're going to come to you live every Wednesday at 8.30, brought to you by the law offices of Robertson, Shipley, Beasley, and Robinson, having a guest from each opposing team, and that will do it. We'll catch you next week. All right, we're good, man.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.